I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. So, Sergeant is back, and I am beyond elated, beyond excited also incredibly terrified (laughs) because he is a different child uh, from when he left to now that he's back. He is so much more communicative. He tells me exactly what he wants, what he doesn't want. And I got a glimpse of that when his father drove him up from North Carolina. And, you know, we were so excited to see each other. Both of us were pumped. Shocker, I did not cry. Uh, Instead, I watched him show me how he can use his scooter, which (laughs) I mean, a genius. I was so excited to see that, you know, when when I had him on his scooter back in January, he refused. He was like, oh, this is cute to look at. I'm not getting on like a true little cautious Capricorn. And now he's hitting it with one leg. He's going, he's going down hills. But aside from that, I thought it was hilarious when we were parting ways with his dad and I really thought it was going to be this really traumatic, dramatic scene. So I'm like, Sergeant, do you want to go walk daddy outside so we can say bye? He turned and said, "Mm, no, it's hot outside. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? It is hot outside and I don't want to go outside. So I'm going to respect your wishes and I appreciate the fact that you can say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, since then, I've just been really in awe of how much he can advocate for himself, express things. He's always asking for help and he wants to, to help me in the kitchen. Um, and one of our favorite, I say our, it's really his, but one of his favorite new things to do is to pee on trees. Uh, Sergeant, we've been really going at this potty training business, hard body. And really was really on his time. So now he's all about this potty action. And even when he has a pull-up on, he doesn't want to pee in the (laughs) pull-up. Thank God. So even today we were out and about running errands in a shopping center. And he said, mommy, pee, pee. And then he pointed to the tree and I was like, let's do it, man. Whipped it out. The the pleasures, I guess, of having a penis that I'll never know is that you can whip it out anywhere and pee. And uh, now I get to live through that through my child. (laughs) So when we're out, he pees on trees and we are just scooting and peeing and having the best time. Um, But also I, I would, you know, be remiss to not say that there's a huge amount of anxiety that also is coupled with being kind of ushered back into motherhood. You know, I've been on spring break. Okay. I've been hanging out with my best friend. I've been smoking a little pot here and there. And I've just been having a really good time. So now I'm back in mommy mode. And I have had to really kind of level with the fact that I'm clearly not Sergeant's dad. And I don't have the same energy cap that his dad possesses. So, you know, he's a boy and he wants to run and he wants to play and he wants to wrestle and he wants to fight and he wants to talk about monster trucks And I'm really having to work very hard in finding um, my energy for all of those things. So 
Uh, I definitely have had those those kind of quiet moments of wondering, am I enough? You know, is it going to be okay that we're co-parenting and we live in separate places? And the older that he gets and the more cognizant that he's aware of that mommy and daddy live separate, how will that impact him? So I know kids are resilient, but it's definitely in my quiet moments at night when I put him to sleep, um, thoughts that cross my mind. Professionally, I have spent this summer with quite a bit of goals, um, one of which was to get a job. Um, I, as I've said before, you know, we thought we'd be returning to L.A. for me to start a new position back in June. But we all know 2020 has gone according to no one's plan. And I was really excited when I came across a position, an editor position for a media site and they were opening up their U.S. Uh, U.S. branch. And I applied and interviewed for the position of editor uh, of the site that is all about the economic empowerment and amplification of women's narratives. So like, duh, I can do that. I'm like, this is it. I'm doing it. I'm getting this job. Six weeks of interviews, Zoom calls and emails and writing samples and time tests. I mean, I really felt like I was in college again, cheating and all. Because <laughs> I definitely, I'm like, am I cheating on a personality test? <laughs> I called, I called Cool Moms producer extraordinaire El Clay and uh, my one of my best friends, Michelle. And we all sat around on FaceTime and in person to help me throughout this entire process, which has been, you know, really a blessing. So we get down to the end of the six weeks. And it's the big question of, does she get the job? Of course she does. So I get the job, you know, we're clinking champagne, we're grilling out, we're having a good time. And now it's the hard part, which is negotiating. And I'm not going to say that I'm a person that doesn't know how to ask for what I want, but I didn't grow up necessarily knowing how to talk about money in this capacity. And I definitely think that talking about money, especially amongst women, is something that we're not taught to be well-versed in. So, of course, in our first few correspondence, I give them my going right. <laughs> and when I get offered the job, they come back at me with a salary that is $20,000 less than my asking salary. That's two zero 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 twenty thousand. So I'm stressed. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, wh what am I supposed to do? How do I, what? <sighs> I'm told by friends and colleagues, this is okay. This is normal. This is the process. So I'm negotiating back and forth. And on, on top of, let me also not forget, they, this position knew about cool moms, loved cool moms, wanted to integrate Cool Moms as one of the verticals on their site. So obviously saw the value in me, what I've built on my own and what I can offer this company. And as a way to not pay me my worth, change the position after the interview process to a contracted position with no benefits and uh, in order to kind of make this nonsensical salary make sense. Uh, and by the end of it, when I really advocated for myself, um, 
they took back the offer for <laughs> the position because they would not, they, they did not and refused to pay me what my worth is. <sighs> so needless to say, I mean, I definitely had a moment of feeling a bit defeated. Six weeks is a really long time to put your energy and effort into something for it to not work out. And yes, of course, everything works out for a reason and all of those wonderful sayings that we say to try to move through difficult emotions. But ultimately, I had a goal and that was to secure my job and my housing in time for Sergeant and I at the end of the summer. And I know that's a tall order, but it was something that felt like it was very much in my means to be able to do. So this was really disheartening more than anything that a woman who sat at the top of a company, again, based on the economic empowerment of women, would not even offer me close to what my initial ask was. So that happened. But, you know, as many of us do, I found myself thrown into uh, reality TV as a way to cope. But I actually found a really incredible a docuseries on BET called The No Limit Chronicles. And The No Limit Chronicles is all about the story of Masterpiece starting No Limit Records. And not just No Limit Records, but No Limit the Empire. And, you know, I live for a great documentary. I live for a story of triumph, uh, obviously. This is why we have cool moms. And I had no idea the real... Um, mastermind that that the master p is no pun intended but duh i guess that's why it's master p um so you know master p talked a lot about the reason why he named it no limit records um was really kind of an homage to his grandfather who was in the military and really taught him this idea that there are no limits you know everything that we can think that we can envision we can manifest into reality and that's exactly what Master P did. Master P created a record label, a clothing line, <laughs> and even was in the NBA. Like literally lived what he wrote. He had no limits. And I also had no idea, just on a quick side note, if you're a hip hop head, which I'm not, but I love rap music because I think I'm a rapper. Um, Master P also helped Snoop Dogg get out of his bad contract with Death Row Records and economically empowered him to be the artist that he is today. I didn't even know this shit. So my mind is blown just watching the 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 power and the capacity that this man had to really see his dreams into fruition. And watching that was such a message and a reminder from the universe that truly there are no limits. If this company can see the value that I've built on my own, then I have to see that on my own value as well and keep going with no limits. So with that all being said, you know, we moving through cool moms like Master P moved no limit records. We're moving with no limits. Make them up. It's cool moms worldwide 2020 and beyond. I'm so excited to be back in motherhood again and get back to business. Up next is Hope Smith. This guest is a bit of an enigma, and I'm really excited to get to know her better. Hope Smith is a former model turned entrepreneur and founder of the skincare line Mother, and of course, Mother of Four. Hope, welcome to Cool Moms. 
Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So we're going to start off light uh, with our inaugural question, which is what is your zodiac sign? And does that mean anything to you? So I'm a Scorpio and I've been told I have a Scorpio moon and I don't know. It doesn't mean a ton to me because I don't follow it or have time to follow it. I find it incredibly interesting. But so I've had like the birth chart done and all of that. But Scorpio, Scorpio. Okay. Oh, all right. (laughs) So now I'm ready to lock in with you because I'm also a Scorpio. And I purposely did not look up your sign so that I could be surprised. And now I'm pleasantly surprised and just from uh from afar i think things make more sense especially describing you as an enigma like a bit mysterious because i think scorpios tend to if nothing else have that quality of mystery um and leaving people wanting for more so cute um i am um also excited because i I have found that following someone's story and really uh, making sure that we preserve and share our narratives has been where we find some of the most compelling parts of people. And I have found that in Cool Mom. So I would really love to kind of start from the beginning. I know that you're from Texas, you're a Southern girl. So I would love to kind of start with um, how you grew up and uh, what your relationship was like with your own mother. Sure. So I grew up in a working class family in Texas, a small town that's um, maybe 12,000 people. And like the next biggest was maybe 60,000 before you were in Houston, which was obviously a larger city. Um, so I grew up in a really small town and knew that I needed to get out of it, to be completely honest. Um, I had just had this vision from when I was really, really young about what I was going to do. And I just knew that I just needed to become of age where people let me leave. Um, and so it's a great town to go back to, but I just had dreams that were, um, big, you know, from a really young age. And I, um, had a great mother who is a nurse and was very supportive of that. And, um, we've gotten closer and closer. It's interesting because I think then I couldn't really wait to leave. And now I love when she's around, (laughs) you know, it's interesting how you evolve as a woman and you, you know, once you're a mother, you're like, Oh, I get all of it. It all. Yeah. The pieces start to fall together for sure. Now I just went around all the time. So (laughs) I couldn't wait to leave. And now I'm like, can't, um, like wait till she gets back every time because she spends a lot of time with us. That's so sweet. I actually, um, as we mentioned before, I am in D.C. uh, where my family is and my mother is able to spend time around my son. So that has been really wonderful. Uh, So I I totally understand. And I I found that um, very similarly with, you know, there's something about becoming a mother, of course, um, that allows you to see your mother as a woman and her own person and better understand what sacrifice looks like and unconditional love. And I just have such so much more of an immense amount of understanding and of course, respect for my mom now that like I've popped one out. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. Um, so you're, you know, I think it would be a bit remiss to like not acknowledge that you are obviously a beautiful woman. And I'm sure that beauty radiates from the inside out. And you found yourself working as a model. Um, Can we talk a little bit about kind of your early years and what that was like? So I started 
modeling when I was 16. I signed with a small agency in Texas, went to Wilhelmina when Wilhelmina was Wilhelmina. There was kind of just mo- like Ford and Wilhelmina for models at that time. IMG was right. really repping. They were more athletes. Um, and I guess that was the first time I had really not left my state because we would vacation and things, but it was the first time I was really out on my own. And um, the very first job that I booked was the, a world tour for Versace. So it was like Milan and Barcelona, Tokyo. Wait, your first job was Versace. My first runway show. <laughs> and that's incredible. They were, I, at the time I was getting a lot of, um, you know, flack from my parents saying, <laughs> okay, you need to be home and you need to be, I finished high school at 16 and you need to, you know, enroll in college, which I did. And I, dropped out and quit. Um, at the time I had made more during just that one, you know, six tour, six or seven city tour than they make in a year. And so, right. How do you argue that? It was really hard to get them to make me come home and I really didn't want to leave New York. So thank God I had like (laughs) this break. Cause I think it was like the next month I was going to have to come home, you know, right. Right. Support it at all. Um, and then, so that's how I started and then um, worked and kept work. What did you, what, what did you feel like you, because you started off young, 16 is young to kind of leave home, you'd finish school. What do you feel like is one of the, the greatest lessons during that time that you learned about yourself? I think we know things before we know things. And I knew Mm. that I needed that time to get away and I was going to figure it out. So my parents really wanted me to go to college and that probably would have been a great thing. Instead I did, I went and did like a, I did my esthetician license and became like a skin expert so that I could have something to like fall back on. Um, should I need it? And in that time I opened up medical spa and that had like all the lasers and the fun things. So I was investing money very early and really went in and just learned, like I didn't learn, um, or I w- didn't have like a formal degree in business, but at the age of 21, um, I think before I was 21, even I owned this medical spa, um, that I had be- invested in and I had to figure it out everything. Wow. You know, right. Like taxes and accounting and wholesale accounts and what skincare you're going to sell. So I think that I just like jumped in and just had real world, um, a real world internship, I guess. Exactly. I mean, yeah, with, with the stakes a bit higher, I, I, okay. So I'm pretty excited about this, this, um, on a personal note, this summer has been kind of my first summer away from my son as he stayed with his father. And I have been able to spend time with my best friend who actually runs a medical spa. Um, She is a physician's assistant and works in um, medical dermatology and cosmetic dermatology. So I have just thrown myself into this world and I'm so excited to hear that like, I've seen what it takes to build something from the ground up in that field, and it's no small feat to say the least. So what was that learning curve like? Um, Did you have entrepreneurs in your family or was this something that just kind of came inherently? No, we have college graduates that then become principals. We have teachers, we have nurses, but we don't have, we're not a business family or we weren't a business family. So I didn't really have somebody that I could just call. So it was all right. figure it out. And medical spa 
God, um, 15 years ago. <laughs> um, you know, it, it changes so fast. And so you're constantly educating yourself on like lasers and um, anything that's new, it's constantly changing. But no, we didn't come from a business family. It was just to figure it out as you go. <laughs> Right. And this makes so much sense just, just in terms of setting a foundation for what ultimately your trajectory would lead you to. Um, did you think that like working within um, skincare, um, medical dermatology, that field was going to be your end all be all? Was that the end goal for you? Or did you know you wanted to do more? I knew I needed to put the money I was making somewhere so I didn't spend it. And I was very interested in skin and had (laughs) had my esthetician license and wanted to be smart, I guess. Um, I didn't know what the end all would be, or I didn't know that I would one day be carrying my own brand and wholesaling to people. You know, I was buying at wholesale. I didn't know it would be my brand other people buy. I didn't have that. I didn't see that, but you're kind of like on a path and you don't realize what is leading up or what's in your future. You kind of can't predict it, but you're going along this path. And like, I feel like you're manifesting it even before you know what it's going to be, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. You know, we don't know how the dots will connect, But I think, you know, so far, a lot of the common thread that I've heard, not only in your story, but with a lot of the women that are featured on Cool Moms is, you know, investing in yourself and being okay with not knowing, but still taking that chance. Um, And so we see kind of like where that led you um, before you got to mother. But even before mother, you had to become a mother. So I'd love to talk about becoming a mother, if that's something that was always a personal goal of yours and um, I guess falling in love and starting a family. Let's talk family. Yeah, I um, I did know that I'd always, that I always wanted to be a mother. I didn't know how it would happen or when or um, if I'd be 40 or 30 or 20. No, I knew I wouldn't be 25. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, fell in love with my husband and we had a great relationship and decided that we wanted to have kids together and it took me a long time to get pregnant with Hendrix, a long time being, meaning like 18 months, a year and a half. Um, like right before I start thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to look at IVF and exploring that path. Um, I became pregnant as soon as I like gave up and had an appointment to do all yeah. Um, and when you're doing all the things where you're kind of checking your ovulation and yeah. like very pointedly trying to get pregnant. Yeah. And so um I found out I was pregnant with Hendrix. Um that was all great. I um were excited and then we went on to have uh, my second, which is Legend, he's four, and then later these wonderful newborn, not newborn anymore, but girls that we have. So the twin girls. Yes. I am. I'm looking forward to kind of this part of our chat because I have had an overwhelming amount of inquiries 
and just like really beautiful kind of anecdotes from different people who DM cool moms or just contact me directly talking about being a mother of twins or multiples, Mm -hmm. um, talking about surrogacy and IVF. And these are topics that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about on this platform. So I'm really um, looking forward to this. Uh, Before we dive in, though, you, you mentioned Um, in an interview that when a child is born, so is a mother. How do you feel like you were born or reborn at the birth of Hendrix, who's your first? I don't think I've ever had to go deeper than that. So I got to think for a second. Okay. Yeah. No, take your time. (laughs) Not a light question. (laughs) You know, before you have your first child, it is about you pretty much, unless you've been a caretaker for somebody else, you do not get it. and in that moment, like there is something that happens within you and in those hours and like the days that truly changes. And you are now fully about this other human where you come last for everything and you've never come last to yourself before. Like it's yeah. this strange transition. And so you're transitioning into, you know, a caretaker and, you know, an emotional physical level, everything. And so you really do transform. And I think for me with the first, I was in that phase for, it didn't just happen overnight. I was in that phase for, you know, um, a year, the first year I was transitioning into who you would be. It's very strange because I swore before that I wouldn't change. I was still (laughs) the cool girl that still went out and still did this and maintained this other lifestyle, but it's not reality. Like it just doesn't happen. I fought it and fought it and fought it and tried to remain her, but Mm -hmm. it's just not possible. And so what did that, what did that fighting, uh, fighting against kind of the change of the tide look like for you? Like, were you like still trying, did you have a night? Cause I've had those, that fourth trimester, kind of that first year of having a new child. And you're like, oh no, I still got it. And I found myself doing things like going to parties at 1am, not often, but every now and again, a friend would come in town. I'm like, I can still do this. I got it. I'm going to. I'm going to like have drinks at home and go out and dance and have a great time. Did you have those moments where you're like, I'm still hope before kids? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's hard because I still do that stuff now, but it's not like I can just do it on a whim anymore. Right. Like I had, right. It's planned. (laughs) And you know, it's just like that whole, I had guilt around not seeing my friends and I wanted to be out with them. And I felt like I was missing out on so much, but then I had this like little human with me that I didn't want to leave for anything in the world. So it's just like this internal, like, you know, you want to be with your child, but you also are missing that other life and that other part of you that was just you where you didn't have to think about that. Totally. And then that compounded with, you know, unlike a lot of people, you are a public figure, right? You, you can check your social media and it's full of things that people would really admire and desire um, to experience or to attain. Did that added pressure of heightened visibility kind of increase you wanting to remain the same in certain ways? It could have. Um, as much as you know, I look like I'm active on Instagram. I really try to be, but honestly, I just don't post much. And I have people that text me and say, 
oh, you, you haven't posted in so long. Can you please post a picture? I know you take them all the time. So <laughs> just post something. So maybe, yeah, I'm sure that's a big part of it too. Cause you see like a whole transition and Instagram documents kind of everything on a yearly, mm-hmm. daily, weekly um, schedule. So suddenly you'll see like, suddenly you'll see your life just like, it, it's a complete different feed, right? Right. Yeah. But right. I don't think it was much about social media necessarily. Okay. Fair. Yeah. I I know that um, there was a point that I kind of went back and forth because we see that shift with like friends and our tribe of people where content shifts. You have a kid, you say you're not going to post, you're not going to be that parent that like inundates the feed with your child, but your world just change priorities change and focus changes. And Social media is there to share the things that hopefully bring you joy in many ways or amplify um, a message. And before you know it, you've got your kids all over your social media. Um, So I I totally, I totally get it. It can be a thing where it's um, something to consider, uh, but not not necessarily something that will deter Mm -hmm. uh, you from sharing. I, I also, I'm interested in kind of talking about the difference between being a mother of one and then now not just having four children, but having twins um, as well. And what that difference looks like in being a parent, a mother of twins versus a single child. Yeah. um, What kind of challenges have presented themselves? So I feel like I was tricked. (laughs) (laughs) First, son was just a really easy baby. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it just, it was pretty easy. There was only one of them and he went to sleep when I told him to sleep and he was a good sleeper, a good eater. Um, wasn't colicky. It was just like an overall good experience. You're like, Oh gosh, this is so easy. I don't know what these women are complaining about. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get your second and my second, like, was like, a volcano. It was like a volcano. <laughs> volcano. It's like everything was at a heightened, you know. And so it was like the same upbringing, the same nurturing, the same. But his personality is just different. He's not near as chill. He is um, the life of the party, even today. <laughs> like he's, he oh. wasn't made to be the quiet one to sit in the corner. Right. And so right that so one to two was huge because you're now outnumbered. And then (laughs) when you go to, you know, four years later, we now have our identical girls and they are so lovely. They're honestly, I feel like I always heard girls were easier than boys. They really are. Um, Okay. Good to, I I have a two and a half year old boy. So that is comforting to hear. Yeah. They have, you know, they're just more chill. And then the girls are, it's almost it's twice the work, but not really because you're already making a bottle at the time and they're all in the same sleep schedule. And, um, it's really not that much of a difference to me. Um, Mm. it's really not because they stay on the exact same schedule. The only thing is you still have this guilt because you really want to be with one all the time, but you have to all So like, you can only really like really feed one at a time. You can do two, but you know, it's really like one and you want to, so you have that guilt a little bit. There's less time. So at times, you know, I'm so blessed to have them both. And I'm so glad that I got two instead of one, but there's this part of me that says, 
oh my God, I feel a little bit cheated on like the um, bonding part with each. Now they won't know anything different. Sure. But I feel because I, I've known what it's like to have a singleton that I get less time with them, you know? Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. And with your with your twins, uh, was the pregnancy that you also were able to utilize a surrogate? Is that correct? Yeah. So we had a surrogate for the twins, and um, we were fully expecting one ba- baby. We used one embryo, and um, the embryo surprise into <laughs> identical twins. Yeah. Yes. And what were um, because you had been pregnant before? What were some of the concerns or misconceptions that you uh, felt kind of better educated on after going through the process of surrogacy? Um, I mean, there's tons of legal and things that you go through just to make sure that you're protected. But really, probably the biggest was um, the preconceived notion that my surrogate would want to like take my baby mm. or keep my baby. Whereas when you have the right surrogate and they've signed up truly to help somebody they normally have had at least one child themselves and they don't want that commitment they want to help somebody right. and be done and so like if i would have known i would have had my guard down more um, mm, mm-hmm. but our surrogate just ended up being so great i went in saying you know i'm going to you know attend the doctor's appointments and um, support her, but I'm not going to become friends with her. Like I want sure. to do it very, very, um, like the lines very strict, but then it became so comfortable because, um, she was also very respectful of the fact that she was carrying somebody else's, you know, babies that right. it ended up being a friendship, but I went in very scared of the process. Understandably, I I don't think that we have enough narratives centered around um, mothers who experience surrogacy. And I think there's, uh, of course, a lot of, because of that, a lot of misconceptions centered around, um, pardon, that that would be my two and a half year old. It's very (laughs) upset not to be close to me. (laughs) I'm sure you know that well. Um, So... Yes. Uh, and did you know that when you kind of started this process of surrogacy that you wanted to be vocal about it? I, you know, I know that you've posted on Instagram about it. Um, was that a difficult decision to make or did you know that you wanted to share your experience? To me, it makes it more taboo if I don't share and so by sharing it, I think it empowers those that have, are considering it, but don't know if they would go that far. I think that the children one day that are all born of surrogacy, it's happening more and more, won't feel le- as, you know, like, a, like it's a secret. If it's a secret, it's almost like it's a shameful or bad thing. And I didn't want it to ever feel like that. Now, I'll always respect my surrogate's privacy. So I would never give up her name, but, um, you know, having it not be taboo or not a secret means that, you know, to me, it means that it's not a shameful thing to have to have done. Right, right. And then, you know, I I also really uh, am interested in your story as well, because there's so many layers, uh, as, as we all have, from um, experiencing a surrogacy 
pregnancy to also having such a beautiful and also multicultural, multiracial family. And before you had children, um, when you and your husband met, did you have conversations about or consider what it meant to raise children that had um, mixed heritage and mixed background? And then how would you incorporate both of your cultures into raising your kids? Was that a conversation that was had? Is that something you considered? Yeah, we definitely talked a lot about it. But I think until you're raising the child, you don't fully understand. Um, So, you know, my husband can share as many stories as he has about growing up and things he went through and things that you know, children are still going through today as being like black children in America. But until that child is in front of you and you have to send them into the world as a white woman, I could not, (laughs) I could not understand how that um, pain would translate to the mother as well, because I didn't know love like this, you know? Right. But when you're sending your baby out into this world and they're going to have hardships and people that aren't nice and, you know, they have their own kind of path in front of them, you can't help but, you know, want to make it better for them and make it easier for them. Um, So, yeah, we've we talked about it, but there's nothing you can talk about it all you want. But until you are now, you know, you know, your children, when they're living outside of you are your, I mean, it's like your heart, right? Right. You understand right. it to a whole other level. Absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more. You know, I have been a person that um, a lot of the work that I've done outside before podcasting, before becoming a mother has been centered around education and advocacy of um, black and brown students working in education. And I thought that I knew then. I thought I knew what it meant to want to protect um, black children, right? I, I thought I knew what it meant to to love black children, but in, until I had my own, and I think you, even in that, there were so many times, um, I think especially this year, because I think um, globally we have, many of us have been humbled this year in many ways, personally or professionally, spiritually, um, and, I really had to check my own sense of privilege and that I'm like, okay, I think my son is absolutely fantastic, right? Like any other parent, I think he's a genius and he's lovable and charismatic. And I just see so much of what he has to offer the world and realizing these very sobering thoughts of, doesn't matter how educated, um, what kind of access. Unfortunately, we still see that black kids are systematically at a certain disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been for me incredibly sobering this year, especially, and has really made me um, kind of reevaluate how I approach parenting. Um, And also my care for for people on a kind of a global scale, um, which I definitely want to get into with a lot of your philanthropy work. But before we get there, we have to talk about mother, right? Because now you are, you have welcomed into this wonderful world of motherhood. And when we're talking about like cosmetic things, Mm -hmm. one of the number one issues that we all consider as people who can 
get pregnant and have children is how will my body change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like the and and no shame at all. I was like, okay, I don't want stretch marks. I don't want stretch marks. I don't want stretch marks. And everyone told me like, stay moisturized, don't scratch. And I remember Sergeant, my son was about two weeks past his due date. And I lie to you not, it was the last two weeks. His dad, I was like, look under my stomach. Are these stretch marks? And he's like, no, 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 I don't think so. And I'm like, no, 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 I see it. I see them coming and sure enough, (laughs) I ended up with stretch marks Mm -hmm. and I feel like that moment was is like the inception of why mother was created can you that that's my interpretation can you talk about mother and why you started mother yeah so I was pregnant with my first and I called a friend of mine who is a makeup artist for a lot of famous and people that can buy whatever they need. I'm like, what's the key to stretch marks? Cause I see these women photograph and where are their stretch marks? Right. Um, I have them myself from puberty on my chest, but hips inner thighs. And I was like, God, I just don't want more please. And so, um, <laughs> right. I call her and Joyce Benelli. She says, so the secret is this big tub of La Mer, And then you wrap yourself with like cellophane or saran wrap at night. And you stay really hydrated. So I tried it. I put like biker shorts on top. So everything stayed and it was so hot. I took it off in the night and I'm like, no way. So then I'm like, what's in this cream? And so I break down the ingredients, none of which was what I thought I was going to be using pregnant, like natural or organic mm-hmm. or clean. And so, especially coming from the world of cosmetic dermatology and not yeah. being shy of medical grade products. Yeah. So I look at it and I'm like, you know what? This isn't. I'm not, this isn't for me. So I started doing expensive <laughs> research about um, plants, botanicals, the seed of a plant, um, what did what, and created a balance of everything from oleic acids to fatty acids um, to different lipid weights and just went through and did the deep dive and really started ordering raw ingredients to my kitchen. And so that summer, I was making batches and batches and batches of body butter. And my husband is somebody that moisturizes all the time, like mm-hmm. multiple times a day. <laughs> like he just, and so he started using, and I was having to remake it a lot for myself. And so, but then he'd be out and he'd ask for more. And so for five years, we formulated after that so many different versions and, um, I was sending it to friends that were pregnant because now my friend Joyce would knew I had been making things. I had sent it to like when friends would become pregnant, I would just send it to them in a little gift basket, congratulating them on their pregnancy. And like, here, I, this is this homemade um, butter from all these raw ingredients. Like, just try it. Let me know what you think. And all of them loved it, asked for more, used it their entire pregnancy. Even Joyce started asking for it for her clients. So she started wow, okay. this Lemaire and she ended up mm-hmm. using it in her pregnancy. So I said, okay, so I'd be on vacation and I'd get texts and I'd have notes in my notes folder or on a pad somewhere. And I'd say like different people's names and I'd have to go back home. I'd order the raw ingredients so that when I got back home, I could like whip up a batch and send it out ASAP because I now felt responsible for the women. <laughs> <laughs> and their stretch marks. That's a heavy Seriously, I really did. And I felt like, okay, I've got to be responsible enough to like get this done as soon as I, you know, get home. 
And so we knew that we had a great product. We had lots of twin pregnancies and testimonials. And I said, gosh, maybe I would make this product. But I wasn't looking to really make a business. You know, I didn't know I was going to be building a business. It was more like I won't have to do this in my kitchen. And I, I went in thinking, gosh, maybe I'm going to make only 500 of them or give them as gifts or 100 of them, you know, in a lab. Right. And I just won't have to produce it for a while. And I'll give them this, this recipe that took like five years. And that turned into really learning about that side of um, manufacturing beauty and raw ingredients and realizing like, I have to buy huge amounts of these raw ingredients um, to meet any of their um, like minimum orders. So then I have to, you know, have this relationship with the lab. They now have to perfect the formula that we did for right. years and they have minimum order quantities of 20,000 pieces or, you know, however many pieces that that lab had. And so I realized, okay, this isn't a small thing yet. People right. still ask <laughs> we've it. scaled up. People yeah. I haven't <laughs> met are still asking for it. And I, sometimes they'd be like, I'm going to tell my husband in a very special way, but I really want to get your butter. You know, I thought you were going to see it on Instagram. This is before Instagram stories and it wasn't ever about a brand. And, um, I really truly felt responsible for these people. So I said, okay, we're going to make one, you know, just this, just this butter. But yes. then in my second pregnancy, I started making this oil. <laughs> I needed my skin to like, I was pregnant for two years basically. Cause I got pregnant right after the first pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, you know, I want like my belly button, that area to just go back. And so I was then focused oh, on yeah. elasticity and high, high moisture. And, um, so then our oil came, so then we had two products. And so we really just at some point sat down and I thought this is going to be a brand, but I didn't know it was going to be a brand that was so well received and solved a problem for people. I knew it was right. solving problems for my friends, but I didn't know, you know, and that's five years of doing this for people. Right. You know? Five years is no small commitment, right? <laughs> Relationships so typically don't last that, five years. And I had such great, great feedback and everybody would switch over once they had it, but that meant I was making it and supplying it for all these people. Um, people I hadn't even met, you know, um, so but I, it got to the point where yes mother is going to be a brand and it there's a lot of thought about what it would be and what it would consist of and we have a philanthropic give back that also gives back to maternal health so we um give five percent of cells to um international medical corps they mm -hmm. um educate midwives and nurses in places where maternal mortality is the very highest so i couldn't imagine giving you know, dying during childbirth and then dying during childbirth and leaving your first son behind or first daughter behind because you're now on baby number two or three. And then they're not orphans because their dad's here, but in a lot of places they would be orphans. And, right. Um, so I thought that that would be the give back because it all started with maternal, you know? Mm. And was that, have you always been a person, I guess, rather that has, um, been a philanthropist, whether on a smaller scale or on a larger scale? Um, yeah, I've always had that heart. I 
can only use so much. I can only, even when I had very little, I'm not attached to things. So if you really like something, I'm probably going to end up giving it to you. You know, (laughs) I've never been attached (laughs) to things. And so to me, you know, I, I go through with it, with my COO too. I'm like, we should be giving more than 5% back. And he's like, you know what? We're in our first year of business. We can, but we have to grow our business first. <laughs> like, right. Let's more, like make a little, <laughs> help. like he really manages that side, the money side. And I'm like the creative that is pushing for new product development or trying to solve another problem that I have, you know, <laughs> when, yes. when. And so let's talk new product development. You have um, the body butter, you have the spray oil. What's what's next? So we have the butter, we have the oil, we have a face oil that we launched um, a month ago that we found out was Violet Code approved recently. So we're really excited to go into Violet Gray and then of course our website. So that face oil is incredible. Um, it's got 22 active ingredients. There's no filler. It's the, I think the most beautiful oil that you could find if you broke down ingredient list. Um, and so that was our third product. We have a fourth and fifth product that will have our core technology in it. And that will launch in November. Beautiful. I I love that. I think it's, um, again, you know, I mentioned before that I've kind of watched my friend build this uh, medical spa and her own product line this summer. And I thought it was so smart seeing what that takes to do and seeing how mother started with um, a very clear perspective. And that was with the body butter. Like that's where you kind of poured your energy to and and then slowly started to scale up. Is that something that you... um, were very pointed in doing? Did you know that you wanted to take your time in scaling up the brand? I, I've really always said this, but unless it replaces, I love beauty and I buy beauty and I'm quick to know if I like a product or dislike it. I break down ingredients. I try it on my face. And if I don't like it, I just don't really give it many chances. Um, and when I find something I love and I try everything, I um, will keep it. And so unless it's replacing what I've already deemed as best in class or best, right? right. I'm never going to make it. So if it can't stand on its own against the best of what's already out there, there's no reason for mother to make it because it's already there. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's I love that. Over what we are going to release. And there's a reason for every single product, you know, we, if it doesn't make your life better, and I believe beauty can make someone's life better. I believe hair products can make someone's life better. If it's not going to like change your life in that way, we probably aren't going to ever have it on our, you know, list of products. Uh, I, I love that. And I think that's important because then, you know, you build a really loyal following and when a product comes out, we know that it's something good. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I kind of want to wind things down um, with, talking about our tribe Um, again maybe this year more than any other year um, we have seen what it means to rely on community for emotional support and all of the other ways in which we can support one another and I thought that it was really special and kind of reading your story um, that you it was Cassandra Gray actually from Violet Gray that really encouraged you when you were kind of working in your kitchen to make mother a real brand. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I have found that those moments um, really resonate with me as well, because a lot of times it is the people that you surround yourself with that can see things in you that sometimes you can't even see in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love for you to kind of speak to, you know, who's your tribe and how have they encouraged and inspired you? Sure. So Cassandra was pivotal in that because um, I think she had used it um, in her own pregnancy but it wasn't like she bought, found it on a shelf somewhere. You know, it was like she knew what she was using and it wasn't something, she has access to everything and she wasn't right. something she could get. Um, right. And if she wouldn't have encouraged me and I wouldn't have had those words, like would I have ever started mother? I don't know because she was seen, I see her as such an expert in beauty that she gave me that push and the confidence to say, okay, maybe this is something. Um, But having that tribe, that mother, that mothers or the friends that you can call are so, so important, whether it's a relationship question or something with your children or just something you're struggling with, with like balance of life work. If we don't have that community, you are at a loss, you know, I mean, in so many ways. And I think that's the hardest part about that transition that we talk about. It's called matrescence. And that's where you're going through from, from birth and you've now been born into this mother. And it's that transition period, matrescence, that um, I think it makes, it's a lot harder if you don't have friends that can relate to what you're going through. So I yes. was one of the first in my friend group to have children. So I didn't really have that for a minute. And then now that they've all had children, I feel much more supported and I feel like they get it. Oh, Yeah. Friends know how to show up better <laughs> when well, they have kids. <laughs> just, this changes, and I didn't believe it changed, but I feel more supported in with other females now that I'm a mother than I ever did before I was a mom. Yes, I love that. I love that so much um, because that's essentially why I started Cool Moms. I, too, was one of the first of my friends to have a child, especially living in New York at the time. Like Most people aren't interested in kids. And I was, what, 29 uh, when I had Sargent. And then I got inundated with questions from all of my friends. How do you do it? What are you going to do? How are you going to maintain your identity? And I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't have the answers for you. But really seeking the advice and the stories from women who had had children um, was really what allowed me to, I think, thrive and um, walk into motherhood with a certain level of grace. so yes, uh, and then lastly, I you know I'm was really also excited to speak to you because I I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, Beth Gibbs we had on Cool Moms previously, and her and her husband founded uh, Union Los Angeles and also Union Tokyo, um, a really incredible streetwear um, line, and are just uh, a family of entrepreneurs. And in talking to Beth, <clears throat> something that I found to be um, really notable and really special is because her husband has been so front facing in the business and she has been a bit more behind the scenes, but really kind of the gears turning everything. Um, At a certain point, she made a conscious decision to really carve out her identity front facing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was something that she was kind of nervous to do and wasn't sure how she would be received. Um, So I'm curious, um, as someone who is married to such a successful spouse, was it important for you to carve out your identity outside of your husband? 
I have to think about it. Um, yes, I think that it wasn't necessarily intentional. I didn't necessarily say I have to go into business because he's in business. Um, but maintaining that identity of being more than just known as his spouse felt important. I don't think I was elegant enough to craft it like this pre-thought out. Like it wasn't the <laughs> thing. Like I'm going to start bit mother to do that. But, you know, just maintaining your own identity, whether it's like with your friends or work or whatever it is, is so important. Um, and honestly, before... I had kids. I mean, we probably had like one shared identity because we were together constantly and we were going to the same events and the same philanthropic this. And now we have to like split resources and now I'll go and do an event and he'll be home. Right. And then it's like the balance of the calendar, which I right. feel that by doing that, I think as a, like as his spouse, I feel more supported by him than if I was you know, playing background and the balance wasn't there maybe. Sure. Um, and I sure. feel like he has been really supportive of the transition from me um, making a body better in my kitchen for five years and saying <laughs> one day I might launch a brand and him going, uh-huh, yeah, sure. <laughs> to actually right. having some, you know, brand and work and, you know, I didn't think I was going to be as busy as I now am. I thought that you could launch a business and still like have some freedom, but quickly found out that your time oh, was yeah. very um, managed after that. Right, right. Um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Hope. I, I um, so appreciate you sharing your story, being really transparent, um, and offering so much of you to us and to the Cool Moms community. Um, before we move over to Ask a Cool Mom, uh, I also um, wanted to see what is, if anything else, is next on the horizon for Mother or for Hope? Sure. Um, I, for Mata, we have two products. We have a core technology we developed with the chemistry of MIT. And so we're very proud of the technology. We have two new products at the end of the year. And then I have been working on a book. It's called Your Body is Magic. And it'll also launch at the end of the year. And so I'm very excited about that. Yes. Okay. Exciting. Um, will this be a memoir or this be an informational book, a coffee table book? It's informational and it's about birth a little bit about pregnancy, but really it's about birth and like the mental state, but actual birth and preparing for that. Wonderful. I'm, ex I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for <laughs> getting back to LA and having some really cute mother events once we can all start gathering yeah. IRL. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. We have one last um, ask a cool mom from our write-in community. We have Brittany, who is a TV writer living in Los Angeles and is the mother of a toddler. And she asks, how do you feel like you're enough for your kids? Which is a 
not a not a, a slight question <laughs> by uh, any means. No, no. think that could bring you to tears. Um, <laughs> Honestly, yes. Always yes. want to give your kids more. It's never enough. And that just means that you're a great mother. So, you know, if you're asking that question, I just think you're already giving them everything that you have in your bandwidth, taking care of yourself. Um, I think can also help make you feel like you're enough for them because when you're taking good care of yourself, you are um, working in your full potential in your full space in life. So really good care of yourself. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. That's what a cool mom is. Someone who, although not always successfully, but really makes an attempt to prioritize themselves and their passions so that we can show up better for our family. So thank you so much, Hope. Thanks for the gems and until next time. Not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom.